Story four of The Loot of Cities by Arnold Bennett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story four The Police Station. Lord Trent has several times remarked to me that I am a philosopher, and I am one. I have guided my life by four rules to keep my place, to make others keep theirs, to save half my income, and to beware of women the strict observance of these rules has made me in my station a successful and respected man once and only once i was lax in my observance and that single laxity resulted in a most curious and annoying adventure which i will relate it was the fourth rule that i transgressed i did not beware of a woman the woman was miss susan berry lady's maid to the marchioness of cockfosters the cockfosters family is a very old one to my mind its traditions are superior to anything in the peerage of great britain but then i may be prejudiced i was brought up in the cockfosters household first at cockfosters castle in devon and afterwards at the well-known town-house at the southeast corner of eaton square my father was valet to the old marquis for thirty years my mother rose from the position of fifth housemaid to be housekeeper at the castle without ever having been definitely assigned to the situation i became as it were by gradual attachment valet to lord trent eldest son of the marquis and as gay and good-natured a gentleman as ever drank brandy and soda before breakfast when lord trent married miss edna stuyvesant the american heiress and with some of her money bought and furnished in a superb manner a mansion near the northwest corner of eaton square i quite naturally followed him across the square and soon found myself after his lordship and my lady the most considerable personage at number four four one even the butler had to mind his p's and q's with me perhaps it was this preeminence of mine which led to my being selected for a duty which i never cared for and which ultimately i asked his lordship to allow me to relinquish of course he did so that duty related to the celebrated cockfosters emeralds lady trent had money over a million sterling as his lordship himself told me but money could not buy the cockfosters emeralds and having seen these she desired nothing less fine with her ladyship to desire was to obtain i have always admired her for that trait in her character being an american she had faults but she knew her own mind which is a great thing and i must admit that on the whole she carried herself well and committed few blunders she must have been accustomed to good servants in the matter of the emeralds i certainly took her side strictly speaking they belonged to the old marchioness but the marchioness never went into society she was always engaged with temperance propaganda militant protestantism and that sort of thing and consequently never wore the emeralds there was no valid reason therefore why lady trent should not have the gratification of wearing them but the marchioness i say with respect was a woman of peculiar and decided views she had in fact fads and one of her fads was the emeralds she could not bear to part with them she said she was afraid something might happen to the precious heirlooms a prolonged war ensued between the marchioness and my lady and ultimately a compromise was effected 
my lady won permission to wear the emeralds whenever she chose but they were always to be brought to her and taken back again by susan berry in whom the marchioness had more confidence than in any one else in the world consequently whenever my lady required the emeralds word was sent across the square in the afternoon susan berry brought them over and susan berry removed them at night when my lady returned from her ball or reception the arrangement was highly inconvenient for susan berry for sometimes it would be very late when my lady came home but the marchioness insisted and since susan berry was one of those persons who seemed to take a positive joy in martyrizing themselves she had none of my pity the nuisance was that someone from our house had to accompany her across the square eaton square is very large probably the largest in london but i may be mistaken on such a trivial point its main avenue is shut in by trees and at two a m it is distinctly not the place for an unprotected female in charge of valuable property now the marchioness had been good enough to suggest that she would prefer me to escort her maid on this brief nocturnal journey i accepted the responsibility but i did not hide my dislike for it knowing something of miss berry's disposition i knew that our household would inevitably begin sooner or later to couple our names together and i was not deceived such was the situation when one night it was a whit monday i remember and about a quarter past one lord and lady trent returned from an entertainment at a well-known mansion near st james palace i got his lordship some whisky in the library and he then told me that i might go to bed as he should not retire for an hour or so i withdrew to the little office off the hall and engaged in conversation with the second footman who was on duty presently his lordship came down into the hall and began to pace about it was a strange habit of his smoking a cigarette he caught sight of me saunders he said i told you you could go to bed yes my lord why don't you go your lordship forgets the emeralds ah yes of course he laughed i motioned to the footman to clear out you don't seem to care for that job saunders his lordship resumed quizzing me surely barry is a charming companion in your place i should regard it as excellent fun but i have often told you that you have no sense of humour not all men laugh at the same jokes my lord i observed as a matter of fact in earlier and wilder days his lordship had sometimes thrown a book or a boot at me for smiling too openly at the wrong place the conversation might have continued further for his lordship would often talk with me but at that moment susan berry appeared with the bag containing the case in which were the emeralds lady trent's own maid was with her and the two stood talking for an instant at the foot of the stairs while lady trent's maid locked the bag and handed the key to berry heaven knows how long that simple business would have occupied had not the voice of my lady resounded from the first floor somewhat excitedly calling for her maid who vanished with a hurried good-night his lordship had already departed from the hall may i relieve you of the bag miss berry i asked thank you mr saunders she replied but the marchioness prefers that i myself should carry it that little dialogue passed between us every time the emeralds had to be returned we started on our short walk miss berry and i proceeding towards the main avenue which runs through the centre of the square east and west 
it was a beautiful moonlit night talking of moonlit nights i may as well make my confession at once the fact is that miss barry had indeed a certain influence over me in her presence i was always conscious of feeling a pleasurable elation an excitement a perturbation which another man might have guessed to be the beginning of love i however knew that it was not love it was merely a fancy it only affected me when i was in her company when she was absent i could regard her in my mind's eye as she actually was namely a somewhat designing young woman with dark eyes and too much will of her own nevertheless she had as i say a certain influence over me and i have already remarked that it was a moonlit night need i say more in spite of what i had implied to lord trent i did enjoy the walk with susan berry susan berry took care that i should she laid herself out to fascinate me turning her brunette face up to mine with an air of deference and flashing upon me the glance of those dark lustrous eyes she started by sympathizing with me in the matter of the butler this was i now recognize very clever of her for the butler had always been a sore point with me i began to think be good enough to remember the moonlight and the trees that life with susan berry might have its advantages then she turned to the topic of her invalid sister jane mary who was lame and lived in lodgings near sloane street and kept herself with a little aid from susan by manufacturing artificial flowers for a month past miss berry had referred regularly to this sister who appeared to be the apple of her eye i had no objection to the topic though it did not specially interest me but on the previous evening miss berry had told me with a peculiar emphasis that her poor dear sister often expressed a longing to see the famous cockfosters emeralds and that she resided quite close too i did not like that to-night miss berry made a proposition which alarmed me mr saunders she said insinuatingly you are so good-natured that i have almost a mind to ask you a favour would you object to walking round with me to my sister's it is only a few minutes away so that i could just give her a peep at these emeralds she is dying to see them and i am sure the marchioness wouldn't object we should not be a quarter of an hour away my discretion was aroused i ought to have given a decided negative at once but somehow I couldn't, while Susan was looking at me. "'But surely your sister will be in bed?' I questioned. "'Oh, no,' with a sigh. "'She has to work very late, very late indeed, and besides, if she is, I could take them up to her room. It would do her good to see them, and she has few pleasures.' "'The Marchioness might not like it,' I said, driven back to the second line of fortification. "'You know your mistress is very particular about these emeralds.' the marchioness need never know susan berry whispered putting her face close up to mine no one need know except just us two the accent which she put on those three words just us two was extremely tender i hesitated we were already at the end of the square and should have turned down to the left towards cockfoster's house come along she entreated placing her hand on my shoulder well you know i muttered but i went along with her towards sloane street we passed eton place really miss berry i began again collecting my courage 
then there was a step behind us and another hand was placed on my shoulder i turned round sharply it was a policeman his buttons shone in the moonlight your name is charles saunders he said to me and yours susan barry to my companion true i replied for both of us i have a warrant for your arrest our arrest yes on the charge of attempting to steal some emeralds the property of the marquis of cockfesters impossible i exclaimed yes he sneered that's what they all say but the emeralds are here in this bag i know they are he said i've just copped you in time but you've been suspected for days the thing is ridiculous i said striving to keep calm we are taking the emeralds back to lady cockfosters and then i stopped if we were merely taking the emeralds back to lady cockfosters that is from one house in eaton square to another house in eaton square what were we doing out of the square i glanced at susan barry she was as white as a sheet the solution of the puzzle occurred to me at once susan's sister was an ingenious fiction susan was a jewel thief working with a gang of jewel thieves and her request that i would accompany her to this mythical sister was part of a plan for stealing the emeralds at whose instance has the warrant been issued i asked the marquis of cockfosters my suspicions were only too well confirmed i did not speak a word to susan barry i could not i merely looked at her you'll come quietly to the station the policeman said certainly i replied as for us the matter can soon be cleared up i am lord trent's valet number four four one eaton square and he must be sent for oh must he the constable jeered come on perhaps you'd prefer a cab a four-wheeler was passing i myself hailed the sleepy cabman and we all three got in the policeman prudently took the bag from susan's nerveless hands none of us spoke i was too depressed susan was probably too ashamed and the constable was no doubt too bored after a brief drive we drew up another policeman opened the door of the cab and over the open portal of the building in front of us i saw the familiar blue lamp with the legend metropolitan police in white letters the two policemen carefully watched us as we alighted and escorted us up the steps into the station happily there was no one about my humiliation was abject enough without that charles saunders a prisoner in a police station i could scarcely credit my senses one becomes used to a police station in the newspapers but to be inside one that is different widely different the two policemen took us into a bare room innocent of any furniture save a wooden form a desk a chair some printed notices of rewards offered and an array of handcuffs and revolvers on the mantelpiece in the chair with a big book in front of him on the desk sat the inspector in charge he was in his shirt-sleeves a hot night he said smiling to the policeman i silently agreed it appeared that we were expected they took our full names our addresses and occupations and then the inspector read the warrant to us of course it didn't explain things in the least i began to speak let me warn you said the inspector that anything you say now may be used against you at your trial my trial can i write a note to lord trent i asked nettled yes if you will pay for a cab to take it 
i threw down half a crown and scribbled a line to my master begging him to come at once the constable must search you the inspector said when this was done and the first policeman had disappeared with the note i will save him the trouble i said proudly and i emptied my pockets of a gold watch and chain a handkerchief two sovereigns a sixpence and two halfpennies a bunch of keys my master's linen book and a new necktie which i had bought that very evening of which articles the inspector made an inventory which is the key of the bag asked the inspector the bag was on the desk in front of him and he had been trying to open it i know nothing of that i said now you susan berry give up the key the inspector said sternly turning to her for answer susan burst into sobs and flung herself against my breast the situation was excessively embarrassing for me heaven knows i had sufficient reason to hate the woman but though a thief she was in distress and i must own that i felt for her the constable stepped toward susan surely i said you have a female searcher a female searcher ah yes smiled the inspector suddenly suave is she here constable not now sir she's gone that must wait then take them to the cells sorry sir all the cells are full bank holiday drunks the inspector thought a moment lock em up in the back room he said that'll do for the present perhaps the male prisoner may be getting an answer to his note soon after that they'll have to go to vine street or marlborough the constable touched his helmet and marched us out in another moment we were ensconced in a small room absolutely bare of any furniture except a short wooden form the constable was locking the door when susan berry screamed out you aren't going to lock us up here together in the dark why what do you want didn't you hear the cells are full i was profoundly thankful they were full i did not fancy a night in a cell i want a candle she said fiercely he brought one or rather half of one stuck in a bottle and placed it on the mantelpiece and then he left us again i say the situation was excessively embarrassing for myself i said nothing susan berry dropped on the form and hiding her face in her hands gave way to tears without any manner of restraint i pitied her a little but that influence which previously she had exercised over me was gone oh mr saunders she sobbed what shall we do and as she spoke she suddenly looked up at me with a glance of feminine appeal i withstood it miss berry i said severely i wonder that you can look at me in the face i trusted you as a woman and you have outraged that trust i never dreamed that you were that that you were an adventuress it was certainly a clever plot and but for the smartness of the police i should in my innocence have fallen a victim to your designs for myself i am grateful to the police i can understand and excuse their mistake in regarding me as your accomplice that will soon be set right for lord trent will be here in the meantime of course i have been put to considerable humiliation nevertheless even this is better than having followed you to your sister's in your sister's lodging i might have been knocked senseless or even murdered moreover the emeralds are safe she put on an innocent expression playing the injured maiden mr saunders you certainly do not imagine miss berry no protestations i beg let me say now that i have always detected in your character something underhand something crafty 
i swear she began again don't trouble i interrupted her icily for i shall not believe you this night will certainly be a warning to me with that i leaned my back against the mantelpiece and abandoned myself to gloomy thought it was a moment for me of self-abasement i searched my heart and i sorrowfully admitted that my predicament was primarily due to disobeying that golden rule beware of women i saw now that it was only my absurd fancy for this wicked creature which had led me to accept the office of guarding those emeralds during their night passage across eaton square i ought to have refused in the first place for the job was entirely outside my functions strictly the butler should have done it and this woman in front of me this susan berry in whom the old marchioness had such unbounded trust so she belonged to the confraternity of jewel thieves a genus of which i had often read but which i had never before met with what audacity such people must need in order to execute their schemes but then the game was high the cockfosters emeralds were worth at a moderate estimate twelve thousand pounds there are emeralds and emeralds the value depends on the colour these were the finest Colombian stones of a marvellous tent and many of them were absolutely without a flaw there were five stones of seven carats each and these alone must have been worth at least six thousand pounds yes it would have been a great haul a colossal haul time passed the candle was burning low and there was no sign of lord trent i went to the door and knocked first gently then more loudly but i could get no answer then i walked about the room keeping an eye on susan berry who had i freely admit the decency to avoid my gaze i was beginning to get extremely tired i wished to sit down but there was only one form susan berry was already upon it and as i said before it was a very short form at last i could hold out no longer taking my courage in both hands i sat boldly down at one end of the form it was a relief to me miss berry sighed there were not six inches between us the candle was low in the socket we both watched it without a second's warning the flame leapt up and then expired we were in the dark miss berry screamed and afterwards i heard her crying i myself made no sign fortunately the dawn broke almost immediately by this time i was getting seriously annoyed with lord trent i had served him faithfully and yet at the moment of my genuine need he had not come to my succour i went again to the door and knocked with my knuckles no answer then i kicked it no answer then i seized the handle and violently shook it to my astonishment the door opened the policeman had forgotten to lock it i crept out into the passage softly closing the door behind me it was now quite light the door leading to the street was open and i could see neither constables nor inspector i went into the charge room it was empty then i proceeded into the street on the pavement a piece of paper was lying i picked it up it was the note which i had written to lord trent a workman happened to be loitering along a road which crossed the street at right angles i called out and ran to him can you tell me i asked why all the officers have left the police station look here matey he says you got home you've been making a night of it and that's what you have but seriously i said 
then i saw a policeman at a distant corner the workman whistled and the policeman was obliging enough to come to us here the cop wants to know why all the police has left the police station the workman said what police station the constable said sharply why this one down here in this side street i said pointing to the building as i looked at it i saw that the lamp which i had observed on the previous night no longer hung over the doorway the constable laughed good-humouredly get away home he said i began to tell him my story get away home he repeated gruffly this time or i'll run you in all right i said huffily and i made as if to walk down the other road the constable and the workman grinned to each other and departed as soon as they were out of sight i returned to my police station it was not a police station it was merely a rather large and plain-fronted empty house which had been transformed into a police station for one night only by means of a lamp a desk two forms a few handcuffs and some unparalleled cheek jewel thieves they were but susan barry was not among them after all susan barry probably had an invalid sister named jane mary the first policeman the cabman the second policeman the inspector these were the jewel thieves and susan barry and i and of course the marchioness had been the victims of as audacious and brilliant a robbery as was ever planned we had been robbed openly quietly deliberately with the aid of a sham police station our movements must have been watched for weeks i gave my meed of admiration to the imagination the skill and the sang-froid which must have gone to the carrying out of this coup going back into the room where susan barry and i had spent the night hours i found that wronged woman sweetly asleep on the form with her back against the wall i dared not wake her and so i left her for the present to enjoy some much-needed repose i directed my steps in search of eaton square having closed the great door of my police station at length i found my whereabouts and i arrived at number four four one at five o'clock precisely the morning was lovely after some trouble i roused a housemaid who let me in she seemed surprised but i ignored her i went straight upstairs and knocked at my master's door to wake him had always been a difficult matter and this morning the task seemed more difficult than ever at last he replied sleepily to my summons it is i saunders your lordship ah go to the devil then i must see your lordship instantly very seriously now what i'll come in a minute and i heard him stirring and the voice of lady trent how should i break the news to him what would the marchioness say when she knew twelve thousand pounds worth of jewels is no trifle not to mention my gold watch my two sovereigns my sixpence and two halfpennies and also the half-crown which i had given to have the message dispatched to his lordship it was the half-crown that specially rankled lord trent appeared at the door of his room arrayed in his crimson dressing-gown well saunders what in the name of my lord i stammered and then i told him the whole story he smiled he laughed he roared i dare say it sounds very funny my lord i said but it wasn't funny at the time and lady cockfosters won't think it very funny won't she she will no one will enjoy it more she might have taken it seriously if the emeralds had been in the bag but they weren't not in the bag my lord no lady trent's maid ran off with the bag thinking that your mistress had put the jewels in it but she had not 
lady trent came to the top of the stairs to call her back as soon as she found the bag gone but you and barry were out of the house so the emerald stayed here for one night they are on lady trent's dressing-table at the present moment go and get a stiff whisky saunders you need it and then may i suggest that you should return for the sleeping barry by the way the least you can do is to marry her saunders never my lord i said with decision i have meddled sufficiently with women End of story four.